Welcome back to yet another episode of Easy Street Sports. Just this past Thursday, the NFL Draft for the 2022 season well, it was underway. And today, our docket, we're going to take a look at the nine quarterbacks that were drafted in this round, or in this draft. We're going to analyze them a little bit based on where they went, the team they went to, when they went. Then we're going to take a look at the draft selections for some of the teams in the NFL that have had a lot of trouble finding success in recent years, namely the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Texans. And then finally, we're going to finish off with a little caveat of mine where it is very, very early, way too early to predict the division winners for the eight divisions in the NFL, but I felt that I would want to do that now, now that all the draft selections have been finished, so that through the rest of the offseason, we can gather a better idea of what these teams might look like going into the preseason in the fall, and see if our decisions have changed a little bit from here to that point. But I'm going to start off with this. Teams listened. Teams listened to what we wanted them to do. We said, do not waste your first round draft pick on a tier two quarterback. And all but one team, and we'll get to that team and we'll get to their selection here in a minute, but every other team waited until the third round to take a quarterback. Now that tells you two things. This quarterback class was not up to snuff to previous years. So it'll be very interesting to see how these certain quarterbacks develop going into next season, whether they start, whether they're backups, where they end up. And two, teams know that even though that this position, the quarterback position, is considered obviously the most important position in the NFL, they still took their position, some of these teams, the Seahawks, the Falcons, they had these super high draft picks, especially in the first round, and they waited. They're waiting a year. And whether they believe that they have the answer or the Falcons, for instance, they took a quarterback later in the third round, they knew they could either wait that long or the Seahawks, they're going to move forward with who they have and they're going to see what happens as of right now. So, again, teams listened. Teams paid, paid attention to what we were saying and they waited to take quarterbacks later in the draft when their value matched the draft pick that they went. All right, let's take a look at the nine quarterbacks that went in this draft. First one off the board, 20th overall in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. Now, of all of the quarterbacks in this draft class, I would definitely say that he was the most pro-ready. During the season, back when he was playing at Pittsburgh, 
he created a little bit of buzz around him and his ability to play. And he just seemed the most pro-ready. And now, although the Steelers did still take a quarterback in the first round, which we advised teams to not do, Mike Tomlin has plenty of history, has a very proven track record of success. You don't go 15 seasons consecutively with a record of 500 or better without knowing a thing or two. So even though Kenny Pickett did go in the first round, he was the most pro-ready, and he's going into a great situation with the Steelers, who I think have a good enough team to do well this season. And his competition in Pittsburgh is Mitch Trubisky, who started with Chicago in 2017. His record through those few years in Chicago, in the games that he played, he went 4-8 and in 2017, he went 11-3 and in 2018, and then in 2019, 8-7, and seven, and 2020, 6-3. So there was one year where Mitch Trubisky seemed like a competent quarterback, seemed like he was capable of bringing his team to the playoffs, maybe deep into the playoffs. But, of course, he's since fizzled out. He's at best a Tier 2, you know, maybe middle of the pack Tier 2. And he was a backup at, at, at Buffalo. He was sitting behind Josh Allen in Buffalo in 2021. But the Steelers have signed him to a new contract. So, it'll be interesting to see how... Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett work with each other in Pittsburgh, and it'll be interesting to see who starts there. Then, going all the way to the third round, taken 74th overall by the Atlanta Falcons, was Desmond Ritter. Now, he has some athletic ability, he has some size. But his accuracy may be a bit of an issue, so he may be more of a project. But with the Falcons, his competition now, now that Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts, his competition is now Marcus Mariota. And he's been in Tennessee. He was in Tennessee starting in 2015 to 2019. And then 2020, 2021, he's been with the Raiders. He's been behind Derek Carr there, and Derek Carr is a Tier 2 quarterback. So Marcus Mariota, you're talking low Tier 2, middle of the pack Tier 2, maybe even a high Tier 3. Because if you look at his record from 2015 with the Titans, he went 3-9 and nine that year. 2016, 8-7. 2017, 9-6. 2018, 7-6. And, and 2019, 2-4. Now, again, those were the games that he started in, that he played in, but you never really saw a significant move between 8 and 7, 9 and 6, 7 and 6. Just he always hovered around 500, and then you had 2015 and 2019 where he didn't play a full season. 
And then, of course, 2020 and 2021, he's sitting behind Derek Carr. So with Derek Carr being a Tier 2, you already have a low Tier 2 at best. So with him going to the Falcons, it'll be interesting to see, again, with Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota battling it out in Atlanta. Definitely two younger guys there. But regardless of what happens with Atlanta, taking Desmond Ritter in the third round, I think was good value for what they're getting. Because even if he's a Tier 2 and he starts in front of Marcus Mariota, you did not waste a first-round pick. And I think that's the key here. Even if you upgrade to a high Tier 2 level quarterback, you know, the, the similar caliber to a Garoppolo, a Derek Carr. That's still an upgrade for Marcus Mariota, of course. And that's still good value for a third-round pick. All right. Third quarterback taken off the board by the Titans. 86th overall, still in the third round, was Malik Willis. Now, I predicted him to go a little higher in terms of quarterbacks. But, again, of all the quarterbacks in this draft class, I believe he still was not the most pro-ready. He, he's a double threat. You know, he's got a lot of movement. People compare him to Michael Vick. People have compared him to Lamar Jackson, a poor man Jalen Hurts, what have you. But again, if he's a poor man Jalen Hurts or a poor man's Michael Vick, you're still dealing with a lot of raw talent that, in in some eyes, can be sloppy. And he may potentially be a project quarterback, where he might take a few years to develop to NFL caliber speed and timing and just a, a different level of, of football IQ that quarterbacks need in the NFL. So it will be curious to see how he does there because his competition in Tennessee is Ryan Tannehill, who we did see last year. He was able to bring his team to the to the one seed in the AFC, ended up winning his division and getting that first round bye, but he ended up falling short in that divisional round and so it kind of left a bad taste in their mouth with Tennessee. But again, you're taking a quarterback who might not be pro-ready, who might have a lot of raw talent that you need to sculpt to what the coaching staff is looking for in terms of potentially a replacement for Ryan Tannehill, who is a Tier 2 quarterback. But you took him in the third round. So again... If you get a Tier 2 quarterback that may potentially be an upgrade for Ryan Tannehill, you're still grabbing him at a valuable spot versus taking him in the first round, and if he ends up at Tier 2, then you've wasted that pick. So again, another team who did take a quarterback, who might be a bit of a project, but you took him at a valuable spot. So pound for pound, I believe he was still a good pick by the Titans. The fourth quarterback taken, 
94th overall, still in the third round by the Carolina Panthers, is Matt Corral. Now, the Panthers are in a situation where they might have a good team, they might have a good receiver core, they might have a, a decent enough defense. They have Christian McCaffrey, who, unfortunately, he's injured a lot, so you might have five, six, seven games of phenomenal production, and then he'll get injured, and you'll have to deal with that. But one thing's for certain is that the Panthers do not have a franchise quarterback. They had Sam Darnold in 2021. They had Cam Newton. They they never really found the guy that they needed behind center. And just to go into more detail about Sam Darnold, he was taken by the Jets in 2018. And in that season, his record of games played, he went 4-9. 2019, he went 7 and 6. 2020, he went 2 and 10. So you're not seeing any full season out of him. And you're seeing one year where he was close to 500 and two years where he wasn't even close. And then you go to Carolina where he was in 2021 and he had a record of 4 and 7, which is similar to his very first year with the Jets. So I think it's safe to say that Sam Darnold is not the solution in Carolina at the quarterback position. So they take Matt Corral, who has shown a high level of accuracy, has shown a level of confidence, that level of moxie that some quarterbacks rely on. But I think with any Tier 1 quarterback, you see that moxie. So he might have what it takes to get to that Tier 1. He might not, because he's undersized a little. He's, he's a little slimmer, a little smaller frame than quarterbacks usually like to be. So we'll see if that affects him drastically. But, you know, we've got quarterbacks like Kyler Murray that are a little smaller that can be successful. So it's, it's, it's not an end-all. So, again, it'll be interesting to see. But as of right now, if Matt Corral plays his cards right in the offseason, he could very well start past Sam Darnold, who is not the solution here. Um Another thing to add with the Panthers is, I know I want, I, I'm trying not to sound like a broken record here, but this was a landing spot that we looked back weeks ago now for Baker Mayfield. So I think it might be safe to say that the Panthers are going forward with Matt Corral and they believe that he's going to be the guy that they need to propel this franchise forward. I think it's a good start. Again, if he develops to be an upgrade from Sam Darnold, which the bar isn't very high, so there's definitely a lot of upside in that department. But you took him in the third round. Again, this is the third quarterback that went in the third round. So even if he develops into a Tier 2, who's a clear improvement to Sam Darnold, but he's still not the Tier 1 that all of these teams are looking for, you still got a good bang for your buck. In terms of the draft, you still took him a little later in the third round. You didn't waste your first round pick. You didn't waste a second round pick. You got him a little later. And if it pays off, it pays off. But at the end of the day, you can be confident knowing that because you took him a little later, if he doesn't work out 
of course, with what you expect him to, or what you're hoping him to end up as, you at least took him later in the draft. So that'll help you a little bit in terms of a franchise. The fifth quarterback taken, 137th overall in the fourth round now by the Patriots, was Bailey Zappi. So again, even later in the draft. In the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you might be able to argue that these might be flyers. But Tom Brady went 199 overall. So it's hard to gauge just exactly where these quarterbacks become flyers. But you're going to the Patriots, who have drafted, of course, they drafted the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a strong tier two. He, he, he's created a, a healthy amount of production in San Francisco. I'm not quite sure where he's going to end up here soon, but he's definitely shown that he's a high enough caliber to bring teams to a decent win percentage every year. But Bailey Zappi has a good football IQ. I think he's going to fit well with the Patriots offense if he becomes a backup, which I believe he's going to, because just last year, the Patriots took Mac Jones. So it's interesting that they took a quarterback just the next year, but I, I it would be surprising for them to start this Mac Jones project and then completely jump ship to this new quarterback that they took later in the, in, in the draft. So I believe that they're hoping that Bailey Zappi will potentially end up like a Jimmy Garoppolo did to Tom Brady, where he's, he's, a, he's a healthy backup, he turns into a competent Tier 2, he might eventually take over if Mac Jones doesn't deliver. But again, it's very, very early to, to make a decision on Mac Jones. So I think they took Zappi later, has some good football IQ, and he he's potentially becoming more of a project backup material to Mac Jones. And again, it, it's it's hard to argue any decision that Bill Belichick has made in terms of a quarterback room. So taking him in the fourth round, I think, was great in terms of his value as a quarterback versus what they're looking out of looking for out of him this upcoming season. Then taking the sixth quarterback taken, number 144 overall, in the fifth round, by the Washington Commanders was Sam Howell. Now he seems that he he seems like he has a strong amount of or he has good accuracy. He's not much of a gunslinger. He seems more of like a game manager quarterback. And he's going up against Carson Wentz, who got traded to the Commanders earlier this year. And Carson Wentz is is, is kind of an anomaly as well, because Carson Wentz was drafted by the Eagles in 2016, where he went 7-9. and Then in 2017... He went 11 and 2. 2018, he went 5 and 6. 2019, he went 9 and 7. And 2020, he went 3, 8 and 1. 
and then I that performance sent him to Indianapolis, where in 2021 he went nine and eight. So you're seeing, you saw Super Bowl caliber production with the Eagles, and of course that miracle year. But since then, you've seen tier two level win rates, tier two level production, tier two level success. And that, of course, put him in Indianapolis, and now he's in Washington. So, taking Sam Howell in the fifth round, coming out of North Carolina, I think Sam Howell had a lot of potential. And, of course, college football is what it is, and and players are transferring all the time. And maybe he wasn't able to show his full potential during this last season. So it will be it will be important to keep an eye on the commanders on the direction that they wish to take. I'm going to assume that they're going to take Carson Wentz because even though he's showing tier two level production, he has the most history. He has proven himself to at least a tier two level. So it will be a bit of an uphill battle for Sam Howell to win that starting position. And that may be the that may be the case. He may just be a backup for now, trying to get his feet wet behind a proven quarterback in Carson Wentz, who has now six years of experience in the NFL. So he may just be a project like a lot of these players. Again, when you're taken in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, that starts to become a flyer looking for depth, looking for someone who might have some extra experience. But it'll be important to take a look at the commanders and what they end up doing in the offseason and where Sam Howell ends up on the depth chart. Then you have three quarterbacks who were taken in the seventh round who I would chalk up to as flyers, adding depth, maybe having a little bit of experience, finding certain backups, and those three quarterbacks are Chris Oladukun, who went to the Steelers, who took Kenny Pickett in the first round. So again, they might just be looking for a flyer, maybe looking to find potential backup. He he might not even make the roster. Then you have Skylar Thompson, who went to the Dolphins, who is 25 as a rookie. He will be 25 as a rookie. So he has some experience with his age. But I believe Miami's moving forward with Tua. So, again, he seems more of a flyer. He might add depth to the QB room. Nothing notable there. And then you have Brock Purdy. Taken 262, Mr. Irrelevant, by the 49ers. So, again, potentially a Trey Lance backup. Who knows where 49ers are are moving forward with their quarterback room. Again, they still have Jimmy Garoppolo. If he starts, then we know where Trey Lance stands, and then we would know where Brock Purdy stands. So again, just another flyer, looking for depth, and so on. So realistically, you have six quarterbacks that were taken in this draft class that, depending on their quarterback competition, We could see them as a backup behind a Tier 2 quarterback. They might just be trying to get their feet wet before they develop into into real talent that these teams are looking for. Or they might just be a flyer 
checking off a box, looking at skills, looking to see if the project is worth it, and so on. To put this draft class into perspective, there were nine quarterbacks taken. That's the second smallest quarterback draft class in the last eight, now nine years, if we go all the way back to 2014. It's the second smallest draft class in the last nine years. The smallest being 2015, where seven quarterbacks were drafted, and that was the year with Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, who went first and second overall, respectively. But in the last nine years, in the last nine years, the 2022 draft class was the only draft class that had a single, I'll say that again, that had only one quarterback taken in the first round. And I, I think that speaks volumes for what we've been saying here at Easy Street Sports. They listened, all of these teams that needed quarterbacks, either in terms of depth or they needed a new starter, they waited until the third round and they took these quarterbacks at face value. They ignored the hype. They ignored all of these statements from these bigwig reporters who were trying to hype up this position, who, again, the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL in terms of football in general, and they waited. They waited. And that's probably the best thing that these teams could have done in this class. But again, they listened. Only one quarterback was taken in the first round. Absolutely phenomenal in the last nine years. All right, now let's transition into some of the teams that have had a lot of trouble these last few years. You have the Texans, who had Deshaun Watson, had some personal issues, wasn't playing, now he's traded to the Browns. A team that has a lot of things that, a lot of holes in their team that they need to fix. You have the Jaguars, who had a head coach situation that kind of blew up in their face. Not a great result of that project. And they're back to square one from just a year ago, where they have had consecutive first overall picks in consecutive drafts. And then finally, the Lions, who I think of these three teams have the most optimism going into next year, just based on the track records of their general manager and their head coach, who have, of course, been there for a year. But let's take a look at these teams and their selections that they made for this 2022 draft class. Let's start with the Jaguars. They took Trayvon Walker, defensive end out of Georgia, Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah, Luke Fortner, center out of Kentucky, Chad Muma, linebacker out of Wyoming, Snoop Connor, running back out of Ole Miss, Gregory Jr., defensive back out of Wichita Baptist University, 
and Montaric Brown, defensive back out of Arkansas. Their needs were linebackers, offensive line, and wide receivers. Just for their number one overall pick, they took Trayvon Walker, defensive end. And in terms of defensive end, there were talk of the big three. You had Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and of course Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker had a lot of potential, a lot of upside. Athletically, he was arguably the strongest of the big three, the biggest of the big three, but he was the most unproven. I think he only had one big breakout year, and I think there was a lot of hype around his statistics, a lot of hype around his size, and that may become a great positive for Jacksonville. But it'll be interesting to see how these three defensive ends end up at their respective teams and see if Trayvon Walker, the most unproven, proves to be the best pick in that scenario. Although the Jaguars needed some explosive weapons on offense, they did not take a single wide receiver. This entire draft, they took zero wide receivers. Now, I know they signed Christian Kirk in the offseason to a, uh, frankly, um, unnecessary amount of money. But, again, this is a franchise that has struggled immensely to get out of the rut that they've been in. So, again, not quite sure what they're thinking in terms of their wide receiver core. But the direction that the NFL has been heading, the direction that the NFL has been kind of leaning towards now these last few years, wide receivers are gold, platinum. I mean, they're diamonds. So for them to not take one, especially in a draft class when wide receivers were pretty strong, I'm not sure if that's going to pay off. But another shining light. They did take two linebackers, Devin Lloyd, arguably, if not the best linebacker in this class, and Chad Muma, another great linebacker out of Wyoming. I think that will be a good duo going into next year, depending on the packages that they build in terms of their front seven, but I think taking that duo in terms of linebackers is going to pay off immensely. You've got great playmakers there. So it'll be interesting to see how those two end up, how well they work together, because I think they, they did well taking those two linebackers. So I would say the Jaguars are moving in the right direction, but I think to say that they nailed the draft would be a bit of a reach. They definitely took players that they needed, but I think, again, they only took one offensive lineman, zero wide receivers, and they did take two linebackers. So I would say they were one of three in terms of the needs that they needed to address. So take that with what you will. I would say of these three teams, I think the Jaguars did second best based on who they took. Now let's take a look at the Texans. 
Their needs, again, this was just like the Jaguars. They're, there's a lot of holes in this organization, and they're just trying to start from scratch and, and, and make as much of an improvement as possible. Their needs, defensive line, offensive line, defensive backs. You could also argue quarterback. They don't quite have anybody. They have Davis Mills. I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out for them, but based on the on both sides of the trenches and their defensive backs, they took Derek Stingley, defensive back, LSU. They took Kenyon Green, offensive lineman, out of Texas A&M. Jalen Petrie, defensive back, out of Baylor. John Mechie III, wide receiver, out of Alabama. Christian Harris, linebacker, out of Alabama. Damian Pierce, running back, out of Florida. Thomas Booker, defensive tackle, out of Stanford. Tegan Quinteriano, tight end, out of Oregon State. And Austin DeCulis, offensive line, out of LSU. So in terms of defensive back, they took a couple players. Derek Stingley, of course, being arguably, if not the best defensive back in this draft class out of LSU. And they took Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. So I think taking those two were good. I do have an issue with taking Stingley third overall because there was only one other team that's done that recently. Taking a defensive back third overall, and I think we all know who I'm talking about, the Detroit Lions, when they took Jeff Okuda. And I think there's a little bit of buyer remorse in Detroit based on that pick. Do I think Derek Stingley is going to be a great addition to their defense? Absolutely. But, again, taking a defensive back that high, especially in terms of where the NFL is heading, the uh, wide receivers have a lot of grace in terms of penalties that they can occur in the NFL. So I think defensive back value is diminishing. So to take Derek Stingley, number three overall, might give them a little bit of buyer remorse. But I think in terms of talent, absolutely phenomenal. You could not have grabbed a better defensive back. Offensive line, their other need, their other side of the trenches, They took two offensive linemen and one tight end, so technically three offensive linemen. I think that's a great number. I think moving forward, you're at least adding depth. So that's that's a great number to grab. You got Texas A&M, LSU again, and Oregon State. Great power there, big schools, a lot of weight, a lot of movement. I think that was good. So I would say they took great players, the Texans, but when they took them, the value in which you take a player. When you take somebody number three overall, they should elevate your team immensely. Like a Chase Young. When he when he was healthy, he was very productive. But to take a safety in a day and age when the wide receiver is the most important position and 
the the position has come become a bit of a diva position where they're looking for penalties to move their offense down the field quickly to 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 say that a safety is that has to say a safety has as much of a significant value as a wide receiver I think is is unfair so they took players but I think they reached on a lot of them so that's why I believe of these three I would say they're third they took great players but they took them at the wrong time now we're gonna look at the Detroit Lions their needs quarterback defensive line defensive back now one of those needs in quarterback We've been talking about it here at Easy Street Sports for a few weeks now. This was not the year to take a quarterback early. This was the year to wait. Again, historically, the last nine years, only one quarterback went in the first round in any class, and that was this year. So I think Detroit was smart. To move forward with Jared Goff. Again, he's still a bridge quarterback. He's not the final solution. They're definitely going to be looking for high-octane talent probably next year. But even if they don't pick early in the first round, that's okay. Because they took players this year that's going to build their team immensely and, and bring their talent to a very high level so that when you do bring a quarterback in, and that doomsday clock starts, you're much, much more prepared going forward. Because to take a quarterback now, to take a quarterback in the first round as a head coach and a general manager, I've said this before, you start your doomsday clock. And if you do not show success immediately, you will be out the door in a, in a year, maybe two at the most. So to take... The quality players that they did to wait a year, potentially two. I think next year is when they should take one, especially with the talent coming out of college, but that's another point. But to to avoid taking a quarterback this year, just as a preface, to avoid doing that this year, I think was a 10 out of 10 perfect decision on Detroit's part. But let's get into exactly who they took. Their first pick, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end out of Michigan. Then they moved up 20 spots to get Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Joshua Pascal, defensive end out of Kentucky. Kirby Joseph, defensive back out of Illinois. James Mitchell, tight end out of Virginia Tech. Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker out of Oklahoma State. James Houston, defensive end out of Jackson State University, and Chase Lucas, defensive back out of Arizona State. Now, I would say that of all 32 teams in the NFL, the Lions were one of the few teams that I believe deserve an A-plus grade for their draft selections. I would also include the Ravens, who did really well. But I think who they took, when they took them, how they operated, how they moved up, moved down, who they grabbed, 
it was absolutely phenomenal. If we look back at last year with Panay Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, you had a lot of optimism around Brad Holmes in his ability to find talent throughout the draft, both early in the first round with Panay Sewell and later in the draft with Amon Ross St. Brown, who has turned into arguably their best wide receiver, especially in their younger core that they have in Detroit. But for them to take Aiden Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, Kirby Joseph, could not have asked for a better draft selection, a better group of draft selections, as well as how they were able to trade, to have this transaction with Minnesota, to trade up 20 spots in the first round, have you? Trade up. 20 spots in the first round to grab Jamison Williams, who was arguably the best, if not one of the best wide receivers in this class. Unreal. Completely unexpected, but could not have been a better decision in moving up to grab a wide receiver, especially in a year when as soon as Drake London went, they all went. It was, you could tell immediately, once two defensive ends went, Derek Stingley went, and we got all the way down, or, and Drake London went early, and we went all the way down to the 20th pick, and that's when the quarterback got taken in Kenny Pickett. That, that told me right there, this was the year to grab talent, outside of the quarterback room. This was the year to grab wide receivers, defensive linemen, just defense in general. And I think a lot of teams understood that. And when we looked at that earlier, only nine quarterbacks, second lowest in the last nine years, and the only year where only a single lone quarterback went in the first round. But looking at the big three in Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, pound for pound, was arguably the best of those three. Now, if Kayvon Thibodeau has more production, that remains to be seen. But I think keeping Aiden in Michigan... He seems to be he's he seemed like he's going to be a face of the franchise type player where you're going to be selling his jerseys for a while. All right. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald level, but the amount of energy and power that Aaron Donald brought to the Rams, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to do something similar to Detroit. They addressed all of the talent that was available. And they added plenty of depth to a defense that arguably, not arguably, flat out was depleted. It was completely exhausted. There were injuries all the time. There was even the game where they played Arizona. They had practice squad players on their roster. A healthy amount. I believe 10, if not double digits. Above that were on their defense during that game. But with Aaron Glenn as their 
defensive coordinator, when you actually give him talent, I'm looking forward to games next year because I think Detroit is going to be one of those teams where people are, other teams are not going to look forward to playing Detroit simply because they're going to be such a headache to deal with just in terms of how scrappy they'll be on offense and how tenacious and just difficult their defense will be to play. And then to wrap up, again, they took Jamison Williams early. They moved up to get him. That adds another explosive player to their wide receiver core to hopefully create new opportunities for Jared Goff for the foreseeable future because I believe that that's where he's going to be for at least next year, if not two years. But I think the Lions are moving in the right direction. I think they're grabbing talent that they need to. I think Brad Holmes has definitely proven himself yet again in back-to-back classes that he knows what talent looks like, and he's found it. So I think if Detroit is looking for a quarterback in the middle of the first round, I think we're going to be okay. I think Detroit's going to be fine. I think that they they finally know what they need to do, and they're getting it done. And that's why I think of these three, the most optimism I have is Detroit. So I would say that they're the first of those three teams, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Lions. I think Detroit is the highest in terms of their future and what that may hold. All right. Final thing of the day. little caveat on my end. It is way too early to predict these winners, but I think it's important to take a look at them now to take all of these draft selections at face value, look at the history of the teams, the history of the last few years. Some of these teams have owned the divisions that they've been in for the last three, four, five years, even even a decade with, with Aaron Rodgers, for example. But I want to take a look at these divisions, and I want to predict the winners of the eight divisions in the NFL so that at the end of the offseason, we can come back to these, recalibrate, see if there's any major changes we want to make, and look to the season to see how these teams turn out and what the future may hold for these teams with these new draft classes. So I'm going to start with the AFC North. And as of right now, I've got two teams winning. And here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to say there's either a clear winner or there's top two. There's a top two where I believe the division can go either way. And that's going to be based on either their history, their coaching, or this draft class that they just collected in the 2022 NFL Draft. And I'm going to give my two cents on these winners. But in the AFC North, this one I did not see a clear winner. So I have the Ravens and the Bengals as my top two, which I believe either one of them could win their division this year. I have the Ravens because they took Kyle Hamilton, David Ajabo, great physical 
athletic defensive powerhouses that are going to take the Ravens back to a point where they were a few years ago. And I think if Lamar Jackson is healthy, I think you're going to see a lot of trench power with the Ravens. Again, I said earlier the Ravens were the other team that I think had an A-plus in their draft grade. I think they nailed every one of their picks. I think they did phenomenal. And taking Kyle Hamilton, safety, David Ajabo, defensive end, I know he needs to recover from his injury, but I think who they grabbed, what they're looking forward to next year, watch out for Baltimore. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But I also have the Bengals, who, with Joe Burrow, it's hard to vote against someone who, against a team that made it all the way to the Super Bowl, but there hasn't been a year where all four teams in the championship round have made it back. And I'm not saying the Bengals are going to be the team that doesn't make it back, but I do know that Joe Burrow is young, Jamar Chase is young, and they may be very, very talented. But what? But when players are young, there's also a level of inconsistency. So it will be important to see what what they produce next year, how much success they garner. But they grabbed Daxton Hill in their class. So their pass defense is going to definitely improve from that addition. So again, for the AFC North, I have the the Ravens and the Bengals. I'm probably going to go with the Bengals here. Solely because it's going to be difficult to lean away from a quarterback who I believe, as early as it is in his career, has proven himself to be a Tier 1. Now, will this end up being a Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles miracle year? That remains to be seen. And if that's the case, then I believe the, Ra- the the Ravens are in full swing to own this division. But I'm going to go with the Bengals right now. AFC East, the Bills. They're, they're a clear winner for this division. Josh Allen has owned this division for the last few years. The Bills added Georgia running back James Cook. They added some pass defense help in this draft class. I think they are clear winners. This was one of the few divisions with a clear winner with the Buffalo Bills. You can maybe argue the Dolphins. They have Tyreek Hill. They grabbed Jalen Waddell. Okay, great. But I'm going to take Josh Allen over Tua Tagovailoa every day of the week. So, just better quarterback play. So, I'm going with the Bills. AFC South. This one, this division was kind of rough to look at to begin with. Because this is the division that has the Jaguars and the Texans, who we talked about earlier. Both teams are in the gutter. They're definitely working from scratch. They've got a long way to go. So, your your top two teams left are the Titans and the Colts. And I would take the Colts primarily because I would take Matt Ryan, or sorry, yeah, I would take Matt Ryan over Ryan Tannehill. And the Colts have Jonathan Taylor, who was a red-hot running back down the stretch of last season. 
But the Titans, they grabbed Malik Willis, and if he becomes a poor man Michael Jack, uh, poor man Lamar Jackson, then that may be an improvement to Ryan Tannehill. And they also grabbed Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks and Michigan running back Hassan Haskins. So you might see Tennessee become a little more of a running back by committee with Derrick Henry. But as of right now, I think with Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, their, their head coach, I think I've got to take the Titans here with the AFC South. Simply because it's hard to avoid when you've got Tier 2 up against Tier 2. It's hard to work away from the better coach, which I think Mike, Mike Vrabel showed last year winning the AFC South and getting the one seed that even though he's got Ryan Tannehill, I think he has the better coaching. So with AFC South, I'm going to go with the Titans. The AFC West, this was the toughest decision in the AFC simply because of the powerhouses that all four teams have become in the offseason and the draft classes and so on. But I think my top two, just in terms of the quarterbacks in this division, I've got the Broncos and the Chiefs. Russell Wilson was super successful early in his career in Seattle. And him going to the Broncos, I think, was a great addition. I think the Broncos have and will have a phenomenal defense. They added Oklahoma's defensive end, Nick Benito. So you've already got a strong defense, and you're adding yet another defensive end. Um, potentially a replacement for Von Miller, but they had a great defense last year. I only see it improving next year. And Russell Wilson was a clear, clear improvement in terms of quarterback and bringing them up to a Tier 1. But in that division, you've got the Chiefs. You've got Andy Reid. You've got Patrick Mahomes. They added Washington defensive back Trent McDuffie. They added wide receiver Sky Moore. And even though they've lost Tyreek Hill, they're adding more weapons. So I think this is going to be a very, very tough decision to make. I think the AFC West is the most difficult division, the most powerful division in the entire NFL. But for right now, it's hard to go against history. It's hard to go against one of the best coaches ever. And it's hard to go against Patrick Mahomes, who I think has been very successful in Kansas City. But I'm going to go with the Broncos. I'm going to go with the Broncos in the AFC West. I think Russell Wilson going there, their super strong defense, the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill, grabbing, yes, some wide receivers, but I think to lose the explosiveness in Cheetah is, is too much to go against the strong defense that the Broncos have. Now, let's finish up with the NFC. The NFC North, the two teams I have here are the Packers and the Lions. Now, I might have a little bit of bias to the Lions, but again, when you take 
an A-plus draft class, it's hard to vote against you. I know it's early for Dan Campbell. I know they still have Jared Goff. But if they end up second in their division, I wouldn't be surprised. And I've got Green Bay here. And we, we've already talked about the Lions. Hutchinson, Williams, they've added a bunch of depth, a bunch of power to their defense. But for Green Bay, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, do I think they did well on the draft? Absolutely not. I think they kind of laid an egg. Other teams were looking to move up and grab wide receivers. They took a linebacker. They took a linebacker in the first round. And even though they took a good linebacker, I think they uh, I think they kind of missed the assignment there in terms of the needs that they have. But it's hard to vote against a Tier 1 quarterback and a potential Hall of Fame coach. Again, it's still very early for Matt LaFleur. A lot of years left for him to prove that to everyone. But I'm going to go with Green Bay. I don't want to. I don't. Personally, I don't like the idea of going with Green Bay, but the amount of history that Aaron Rodgers has in taking care of every opponent in his division, it's very difficult to vote against him. I think Minnesota did great, but I think the Lions pulled the wool over their eyes and completely took advantage of their brand new general manager and... I think the Lions won every one of their trades with Minnesota in this draft. But Minnesota still took some good players. They took Lewis Seen out of Georgia, Andrew Booth out of Clemson. So they're going to give their defense a boost. But, again, you're dealing with Kirk Cousins, who I, Kirk Cousins versus Jared Goff, not a great matchup. Tier 2 versus Tier 2. But I, I got to go with Green Bay in the NFC North. The NFC East... I think Dallas took a huge step back. Didn't do anything notable in the draft. Washington, maybe. Uh, they do have Carson Wentz. They they grabbed Sam Howell in the draft. But I think the NFC East, I got to go with Jalen Hurts. I got to go with the Eagles. And the Eagles ran a lot last year. Ran the ball a lot. But they grabbed... Jordan Davis, out of Georgia, an absolute mountain of a defensive tackle, and they took N'Kobe Dean, Georgia out of linebacker. So I think you added great defensive players to your team, and I'm going to take the Eagles here. I, I don't think anyone else in this division has enough ability, enough talent to match the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts it brought them to the playoffs last year. you got to give him credit for that. So I'm going to go with the Eagles in the NFC East. The NFC South, uh, Tom Brady unretires. There should be no reason why anyone should vote against the greatest to ever do it. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. Again, they got Tom Brady, their division rivals. They've got Tier 2 quarterbacks at best. Jameis Winston now with the Saints. Sam Darnold in Carolina. Marcus Mariota with the Falcons. I mean, I. Tom Brady. It's as simple as that. 
the Buccaneers have Tom Brady, and I don't think I need to explain much else in terms of the NFC South. That was a very easy decision to make. And then finally, you have the NFC West. You got the Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, and the Cardinals. And I'm going with the Rams. The relationship between Stafford and McVay, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. How can you not vote against the Super Bowl champs? I think McVay is a tactician. I think he's brilliant. I think it would be a fool's game to think anything else. So I'm going to go with the Rams with the NFC West. This one was pretty easy. Now, the 49ers, I think, might be a close second. Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, uh, I'm just assuming that it's going to be another year where they look great in the first half, and then they completely fold down the stretch. But the 49ers, they still have Trey Lance. They We haven't seen him do anything yet. They've got Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Um, if Trey Lance ends up playing over Jimmy Garoppolo, then we might see a new powerhouse in the NFC West with the 49ers. But I'm going to go with the Rams. i got to take the history of the Super Bowl champs in that division. So, to end, I think just in terms of quarterbacks, when teams took a quarterback, Easy Street Sports was 100 million percent on the money. The only team that took a quarterback in the first round was the Steelers, who I think have a great situation in Pittsburgh. They've got a phenomenal coach, one of the most proven ever. And I think Kenny Pickett's going to be okay out in Pittsburgh. As for the rest of the teams that did take a quarterback, well done. I congratulate you. You took a quarterback later. You didn't waste a first-round pick. You didn't even waste a second-round pick. You grabbed him in the third round. If they pan out, awesome. If they don't, you didn't waste the picks that you needed to use to find phenomenal talent this year. Congratulations. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week.